may have a seat. How's everybody doing today? All right, all right. It's not bad. Good. Got all your Christmas shopping done? Ooh, I just depressed a few people. That's okay. Um, but, oh, speaking of that, I have something for everyone. Don't tell the previous two, uh, you know, last night and earlier today. I didn't have enough for them. So you guys all get one of these, all right? How many believe me? I'm not Oprah. I don't have a gift for everybody, all right? Check under your pews, keys. So um, when I say, you know, and I bring this out and I say, hey, you remember that time you got that gift? You guys remember something come to your mind? Like for somebody who's like, oh, yeah, that was like my favorite gift ever. For me, it has to be, um, and my brother was there. We both opened it. It's when in it was an Atari with like 15 to 20 cartridges. That's what we called games back then because they were actually cartridges. It was like, oh. It's because, I mean, I told you last week that um, we weren't poor, but we didn't have a lot of extra money. So um, all my friends might have gotten the latest video game. didn't really happen for us. And um, in fact, my dad used to, because uh, I so badly wanted it, you know, he would come home after a long day's work. He would uh, help clean up supper. And he'd say, you know what I, what I need to do is uh, go and spend some time at Bradley's. Who remembers Bradley's? Anybody? We've got some old people in the room. All right. Not that long ago, I know, I know. I remember it too. And so, so we would go there, and he would just never actually buy anything, weirdly, you know, and poke around the store for an hour while I went to the demo setup. I don't know if they still have these, but like, and you could play like the first round of a video game for free, right? And he would just let me play. Uh, and I just thought that was the greatest thing. We'd drive there and back, listening to Kenny Rogers' greatest hits, right? And uh, um, so, you know, I, I look back, and as a kid, I would have rather had the latest video game, but maybe looking back, that time was better, but that's a different sermon for a different day. I just remember, though, despite all of that, I'm never going to have this, and boom, an Atari with all these games, right? Too bad we could never play, because my dad was the best River Raid player in the history of uh, video games, and, and yet we, we, we had this, and I was like, this was amazing. I can't even know how they did this, and then my brother blew it a couple years later. He's like, Jamie, you know that was Aunt Nancy's hand-me-downs? His their kids got the Nintendo, you know, the next thing. So I was like, oh, well, it's still a lot of fun, right? And, and so I'll just never forget that. And you have those, 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 those gifts that you never forget. And, and when we talk about, as we, we celebrate the, the angel candle, the candle of love, and we talk about um, the, the gift that is Jesus, right? And a gift, uh, it's that time of season where you're going to be given gifts. Gifts to be actually a gift. It is without strings attached. Because let's face it, you give some gifts out of obligation, right? Well, he gives me a gift. I guess I'll get him a gift, right? Or, well, I better. I'm going to be in trouble if I don't give my boss a gift. Hopefully our staff's listening. No. Um, and, right? and, and so it's, that's not a gift, right? That's some kind of payment or obligation or whatever you might want to call it. A gift is you give it freely. You want somebody to have something, not necessarily because they deserve it, just because you want them to have it. And so the gift that is Jesus is the greatest gift of, that, that just shouts from the rooftops that God loves us. And my challenge this weekend, and I, it's been, I've been praying all week because we grew up, especially if you had any kind of church background, you grew up, God loves you, God loves you. Yeah, I know that, I know that. But do you really know? how much God loves you. Because I just think, even mature Christians, we, we can sometimes get to the point where we think God loves a future version of us, right? 
once I lick that habit, once I get over that, like, God will. And, and so, like, we, we kind of see Jesus, Jesus loves me, this I know, right? But God the Father, we sort of picture, is sort of back here going, really? He's just always disappointed in us. And, and, and no, he doesn't want us to stay where we are. And he's working on us, right? But he's never loved you any more than he does today. And he'll never love you any more than he does right now. And the proof of that, as we want to see, is the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. And I want you to leave here, not just knowing here, but knowing deep down into your heart and soul that God, your creator, loves you in an unfathomable amount that you can never measure. We're going to go to his word. Let's pray. Um, for God to do that, Lord God, I, I know that I could never do that with my words or illustrations. or uh, Lord, I, I just could never um, possibly um, just do what only your spirit can do. And, and so I ask that you would work through your spirit in our hearts, maybe for the first time, to deeply know how much you love us. We don't deserve it, but you do. And for maybe for countless amounts of times that someone here just needs to be the refreshment that despite who they are, what they are, what, where they're at, you love them. Jesus, do your work that only you can do by your grace. And it's in your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 3. So, uh, you know, we'll put it on the screen, but if you want to follow along, that's where we're going to go. We'll go to three different places today. Um, and, and, but before we, we do that, I just want to make sure, because I know some have a few questions. Uh, obviously, this is Christmas week, and as you saw in the video, if you were paying attention, we have two Christmas Eve services. Those are identical. Um, 3 o'clock, 5 o'clock, they're candlelight. Uh, if you've ever been here for that, I don't talk very long because we got all our kids with us, and I know how that works. Hopped up on sugar thinking about what they're going to get under the tree tomorrow, right? An Atari or whatever it is now. Uh, and, and so it's like a rocket ship about to launch, and so I just kind of keep it basic, and it's a great time. It's my favorite, certainly one of my favorite services of the year. So you're welcome to come to that. Um, and then on Christmas Day, next Sunday, we have one service at 10. That's different. So just so you know, uh, if you're thinking about, wow, well, I'll go to one. You can definitely do Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. If, if that works with your schedule, we'll look at the fifth candle and finish out Oh, Advent. Um, There's still invite cards out there. If you know someone who doesn't have a home church and want to invite them, it's a great time to invite them, Christmas Eve or whenever. Um, and after that, we'll have a couple of weeks of doing uh, just uh, singular topics and then a seven-week series in Ecclesiastes. Exciting, right? Some of my, my old they're old now. They were a young adult group back in the day, and I led that group, and we did that, and they called it Sleazy Nasties. So uh, I don't know what it is about the winter that makes me want to just either lament like we did or say, it's all meaningless, but it isn't, and we're going to see that. So get ready for that. That'll come in, in, in January. So, But let's um, get back to our fourth candle, and I wanted to start in Genesis 3. So this is actually, admittedly, before we look at this together, this is um, kind of controversial or debated, I should say, amongst Christian scholars as to whether this is an actual direct prediction of the birth of Christ or not. Okay, so I admit that. We don't really know. And in either way, it's a beautiful picture. <laughs> Maybe not beautiful, but it's a very descriptive picture of the struggle that we live in. And so in Genesis 3, this sin just happened, right? So Adam and Eve, they had perfect harmony 
with God, with one another. I mean, they were naked, right? It's no problem, no shame, no, like all perfect intimacy, right? With the animals around them, with the world around them. It was great. It's so impossible for us to think about that, but that's coming when Jesus restores it. But, but that's how it was. But then sin jacked it up. So they sin, and now we get to this point. This is where God is judging them in that sin, and he's telling them, here's the consequences of what you've done. And this describes the struggle. We're not going to look at it. He first talks to Adam. Remember he said, your work is now going to be toil. So if we hate our jobs, blame Adam, right? It used to not be like that. But now there's a struggle. There's something good about work, but something so hard too. And then he gets to the serpent, who's the one that tricked them. And then he's going to talk to Eve. So he says this to the, to, the serv- the, to the serpent. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And then to Eve, he says this. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain. So ladies, right? You know, a lot of you know that. In pain, you shall bring forth children Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. This is a description of the multi-layered struggle of the world ever since sin that we live in today, right? That the struggle is there is still God's creation. It's still good, and there's this residue of good that we experience and we want, and we know it when we kind of see it, right? It's like a shadow, but then sin has jacked it all up. And so you see that right in there, right? You see this, this the, the, the serpent and the enmity between them. That's evil versus good. So it's like, I want to do what's good, but there's just this temptation and this sin that jacks it up. You see, uh, their relationship with God is going to be now messed up because of sin. Their relationship with each other, right? He's going to say, like, before they were, just had this perfect relationship, and now like there's going to be this enmity, not just them, but all relationships after. If you're married, you know that struggle. Like I don't know any couple that I'm, I'm doing premarital counseling in my office that ever sits there and says, you know what, I just can't wait till we hate each other and are ready for divorce. Right? But how many get that way? Why? Even if you have a good marriage, there's struggle. That's why we're doing that whole seminar that we just saw the video of. Because there's struggle. That's all because of sin. Right? There's this idea of, of it's good, but then disease happens or death happens or uh, someone rejects me or hurts me. It's all sin jacking it up. And, and I, you know, I was um, recently, this video f- came across my, my feed, and, and, and I don't know if you hear about this guy. He was a starving musician, like there's millions of them out there, still living at home, young adult, um, and he was about to give up. Um, he was about to give up uh, his career and just do something else, I guess. And his father got diagnosed with a very aggressive um, cancer. And he wrote this song, just his experience of it. And it was this really powerful emotional song about like how can, how can I live without someone who's always been a part of my life, right? Really good song. And he just wrote it because he was going through that with his dad. And he posted it online and hundreds of millions of people viewed it. And now he's going on tour. So that's how this world works now. But I, I bring that up because as I was looking at the feed and I was looking at other videos uh, and, and, and he was showing like as he's playing to about, singing this song, like 3,000 people all singing it, right? And in the front row, someone else took this candid video of this like young adult girl who was singing his lyrics at the top of her uh, voice and her lungs and she was just sobbing. 
And her friends were like holding her and singing too. And the description said they found out later that her father had just died. And she just connected so deeply. There's all these people connecting. Then there's other songs. I don't know why I did. Why do we do this to ourselves? That people are using this song for like the last day before they put their pet down, right? There's this one where this 90-year-old neighbor who had given a biscuit to this dog every day came to say goodbye. And I'm going, gosh, right? This song's playing. I'm like, Why? But I keep watching because there's something about it that we delight in and something about it that's so hard that's immersed in a human experience. And it's that Genesis 3 struggle. There's something so good about a relationship with your father. But there's something so horrible about the fact that he might die or get sick. That's sin. Right? There's something good about, about having those relationships, even with a pet. But then it's like sin is just kind of taking that goodness and just messed it all up. And what do we do in this struggle? Whether you believe in God or not, you recognize this struggle is real. And, and, and um, wherever one might fall, it's real. And so the idea is that it's in that, right, that there is a note of hope. And whether you think, because some think that that's Jesus, right? This would be the offspring or seed and, and, and the serpent. We find out later the ancient serpent in Revelation is, is, is Satan and that he's going to crush his head, right? And so, so maybe that's the case. But even if not, there is a note of hope, right? That there is this idea of childbirth, which is so good. Now sin is jacked up, but it's still good. And here's coming is offspring. And that word offspring is mentioned 59 times in the Old Testament. And most of them is in the patriarchal period, right? So during the promise, even though all the struggle, you read the Bible, all the struggle, sin and death, all this stuff, they're still giving birth, giving birth. And as they go along, there's this promise that eventually is going to come someone who's going to deal with all of this struggle. Redeem the world, redeem people, redeem, like he's coming, he's coming. And so there is this struggling childbirth that happens where he finally is here. And, and, and I want to um, bring, I'm not going to spend a lot of time, Aubrey read it great earlier, um, but I want us to look at this. It's the angel candle. We already saw when the angel visited Joseph a couple weeks ago. I want to see uh, when, when the angel visited Mary. All right, so Luke tells it this way. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And I don't think we want to be too critical of Mary. right? She's probably about 13. I know. We'll get to that more on Christmas Eve. But, um, and she was a mature 13-year-old girl, obviously. But she's still 13. And an angel is talking. She's got her pathway. I'm, I'm engaged. This is going to be great. This is where I'm going to go. I'm going to be married to a carpenter. We're going to live our life, blah, blah, blah. Right? And now an angel is here. It's like, what in the world is happening to me? Right? And, and so the angel um, has to comfort her. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, we don't have the translation here, but if you remember when the angel visited Joseph, Jesus means Yahweh or the Lord saves. The name of your son is going to be Savior. Okay? And then he goes on. Uh, Gabriel does. He will be 
great. Now, I want you to talk that in the back of your mind. That's really important. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, Son of God. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And so even though Mary's kind of like, whoa, right? Like, that's got to be hard for her to hear. But, but the Jews were expecting the anointed one, the Messiah, the, from the line of David, who's going to reign forever. We've seen that through this Advent. So, so that is an expectation, right? He's going to come, and he's going to do this. He's going to rule and reign, and, and he's going to deal with, with all this mess. They didn't quite understand the mess was sin, but they knew this Messiah was coming. But the, the angel Gabriel gives us more in, in this, that he will be called the Son of the Most High, the Son of God. But even more than that, he will be great. Now that doesn't, we throw that word around like crazy, but for Jews, that's blasphemy. Unless he's God. Nobody's great but God. You will always see in the Bible, if someone's called great, there's a qualifier. Even John the Baptist, he was, the angel was describing to his dad who he was going to be. He's going to be great before the Lord. So someone is great in the Lord. So if you're great, it's because of God. And that's how they always described it. But now the angel says that this son, Mary, that you're going to bear will be great. Period. So even though they maybe didn't quite grasp, what we now grasp is this is God himself. Amazing. What a gift. And so um, he, he kind of leaves it <laughs> there. And, and so while we see that, that he's going to be great. Mary's still just confused. How in the world am I going to have a baby? <laughs> right? I mean, it's a good question. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with, which with, with her who is called barren. So remember, there's almost always in Luke a sign of why you can believe God. And the sign is, you know your cousin? She's old and barren. She's six months pregnant. So, uh, so here's kind of how you're supposed to see it. God has done a miracle in Elizabeth by giving her a child, John the Baptist. But he's going to do an even greater miracle in Mary because she's going to have a child as a virgin. And John the Baptist is going to be great before the Lord. But Jesus is going to be great because he is the Lord. Right? And so, uh, well, again, is Mary thinking all of this? I don't blame her for not. But that's how we're to see it. And, and, and so you, you, you see this childbirth is going to bring forth an offspring that is, that is the deep love of God for sinners in the struggle. Um. So you see, Mary's going to give birth to Jesus. He's going to be fully human. So he's going to experience hunger and thirst and sorrow, betrayal, temptation, all of it. But he's not born of Joseph. He's over, she's overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, so he's the son of God. And so now he's fully God. So he has not just the, he can be the sacrifice to save, but he has the power to save. Remember that. And so the, the, as Mary's sitting there thinking about that, here's uh, the last thing that Gabriel says to him, and I want you to hear this. Verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. Do you believe that? Nothing will be impossible with God. 
And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Man, isn't that, don't you wish we all responded that way to God? Whatever your word is, I'll do it. I don't quite understand all this, but I'll do it. So, but, but back to that, like, like for nothing, I, yes, you giving birth as a virgin, uh, that's impossible, but not with God. Right? And, and, and so the same is going to be, you, you and your jacked up struggle and your sin and all that, yes, it's impossible to be saved from that. Yes, it's impossible for all that to be cleaned up, but not with God. Because what's impossible for us is possible for God. And so as we look at this, this, this message, this, this child, as we see that there is a gift and God himself is our gift. He gave us his only son. Now I know a lot of us have church backgrounds. So you're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Step back for a sec. I don't know if you have kids in your life. Maybe you have your own children or something. He gave us his only son. Imagine the sacrifice that was. Imagine. He certainly made sure Abraham knew, right? Remember the story in the Old Testament where Abraham, is, his wife's barren, and, 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 and they give, they're given Isaac, the, the, the promised son, and now Isaac grows up to be a young man, and, and, and Abraham, he's the apple of Abraham's eye. He loves Isaac so much. Man, he's my son, and he's a promise from God, and everything's good, and then look at it. And God says, yeah, go kill him for me, will you? Sacrifice him. What? And so he, he takes him, remember the story, a few days out, journey. We're going to go sacrifice and worship God. And Isaac's like, hey, Dad, where's the lamb? Good question. And he's like, mm, he'll provide one. <laughs> Son, don't worry. He'll provide one. Hoping this is just a test, right? And they get to there all the way to the point where he is to kill him. And God stops him. And he says, look it over there. And stuck in there was a lamb. The lamb will replace him. Don't kill him. And so they're taught from that point on that there must be a replacement sacrifice for you. But Abraham, right on down the line, is also taught in a very real way the cost that it's going to be. Because God is given us his son. He will go to a cross and he will not stop it. He won't. What a sacrifice that is. When Jesus was an adult, as he's about to start his ministry, and that John the Baptist who came before him pointed at him as he cut, and his crowds around, points. Everyone follows his finger, and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God. Remember when Abraham said, Isaac, God will provide the Lamb? John's telling us he's provided the Lamb, and it's his own son. Now, why would he do something like that? <laughs> There's only one reason he loves you. So I'm not sure if you're ready to believe in God. Maybe you came in here and you're like, I'm not really sure I buy all this, you know, whatever, for every reason. Can, you, can we at least, I get it, but can we at least agree that the world is jacked up and messed up? Can we at least agree with that? Or are you still like, I think we're getting better. You must have been a cheerleader, right, for a really bad team. You can do it. You're not going to do it, right? Like, like, it's not getting better. And, 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 and just look, it's just messed up. And yet, here's, and we can agree on that, but here's the human solution. Build a government that will help us, uh, philosophies of life, um, religions, right? Like, like, do it, and you'll get better and better and better, and you'll earn your way out of this mess. You know what I call that? The zombie solution. 
All right, some of you zombie fans just perked up, right? If, you, if, you, if you've ever seen a zombie show or, or movie, there's, an, you know, there, there's this kind of disease that you start eating people after you die, right? And then there's people who aren't zombies, and they're always trying to figure out a solution to it. Imagine if you're in that and you're like, you know what? Let's let the zombies figure it out. I'm sure they'll come up with something to cure themselves. You're going to get eaten real quick if you come up with that philosophy. And the zombie solution that I give to you is knowing this world is jacked up in struggle, and here's the thing. You're immersed in it so deeply, you are not coming up with any solution to get you out of this struggle or mess. No one ever has. No one ever will. And that's why God gave us the greatest gift ever, the Lamb of God. I mean, you have to admit, right, like, like whatever you're at, even if you've ever heard of some of the Ten Commandments, measure yourself against. How you doing? You're 0 for 10, right? I've never had an idol, Jamie. I mean, I don't have carved images in my, in my home. Well, do you have a car that you park at an angle where it takes up five spots, and if someone nicks it, you're going to kill them? Do you have an idol? That just got a little tense in here. It's okay, right? Or, uh, I'm not a liar. Have you ever lied? Well, I mean, you know, a little white. Sorry, liar, right? I, 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 well, I've certainly never cheated on my spouse. Jesus messed that one up for you when he said, have you ever looked at anyone that's not your husband or wife with lusts full intent? You've committed adultery. It's like, darn, right? You're a zombie. I know that that's not very uplifting at Christmas time. You need someone from the outside, and that's the gift who is Jesus, the Lamb of God, right? This, this gift where he comes to die in our place, to be the Lamb of God, to redeem, restore, rule, and reign in perfect peace. He's going to take. We see it. That's why we, we, we struggle. We see what is good. We do. But he's going to make it all good again. So here's where I want to land. One more spot. And Aubrey read the most famous, most likely, if you've ever seen a football game on TV, John 3, 16. All right? Because what kind of a gift this is, it's love. But not the kind of love that we throw around so carelessly. I love pepperoni pizza. No, 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 no. Much deeper love. Right? So, John 3.16. This is, when, now Jesus is an adult, and a Pharisee named Nicodemus comes to him at night, and they have a great, in-depth, theological and philosophical conversation. We're not going to go into all that. We get to this place where this is what we learned. For God so loved the world. That what? That he gave his only son. That's a gift, right? Remember, no strings attached, not an obligation, not because anybody earned it. He gave you his son, right? That whoever believes in him should not perish, but instead have eternal life. So, so he gave us his only son. Abraham, you didn't have, I gave you my only son. Why? What's the reason? Well, we learn. He loved the cosmos. That's the the, 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 the word, the Greek word for it, cosmos. And the reason I say that, it's not to you know, show off as I'm like a nerd or anything. Anybody can read, right? It's that it, it, it's not like the world general like you see a globe. It is the realm of humanity, cosmos. And in the Bible, it's almost always bad, right? It's like Noah, you know, the, the, the cosmos was so bad that God 
destroyed everybody but one family. And throughout the scriptures, cosmos, cosmos, it's just jacked up by sin. The struggle of Genesis 3 has just jacked us all up. And so we have the cosmos. And, and so that's what we're a part of. That's the zombies. We're, we're in it. We're in that struggle. We're in that mess. We're a part of it. And it says God looked at us and he loved us. He agapeed us, which is a Greek word for the most self-giving love you can have. He chooses in that disastrous mess to love me so much that he gives me his son. I know that some of you have heard that a million times. If you're not still in awe, not just the grace and mercy, but the love, that's what we're learning, John. He loved us. And so what happens when you believe in him, you should not perish. You should not perish. See, the word perish is to die, yes, but it's not just physical, it's spiritual. Okay. Even if you're uh, an atheist or an agnostic, right, you can, in this, in this world, in this life, experience good things. What we call them is common grace, right? You can enjoy your favorite meal and be like, wow, it was awesome. You can drink a glass, the best glass of wine you've ever had. Oh, you can hold a child. You can see a sunset. You can, right? And you have those common graces. What I'm telling you is when you perish, you are separated from all that is God and all that is good. No more of those things. They're gone. They're gone. That's perishing. That's terrible. I don't want that for any single one of you. Neither did God. He loved you so much. He said, I don't want this for you. It's got to happen, so I'm going to send you my son. That's how much I love you. I want to give you eternal life. That means all that is good. That's pre-fall. That's, that's, that's restoration. I mean, I'm hoping we still got clothes, all right? But, right, it's a perfect fellowship with God and one another, animals, the world around us. That's what's headed your way. If you would be what? Believe. Believe. All right, but you can't do 16 without 17 and 18, so let me land there. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So Jesus wasn't born to start judging everyone. You're condemned for your sin. He didn't need to do that. He's staying in the glories of heaven for that. What did, what did we learn here? Your life is not a balance. Like, oh, maybe I'll do more good than bad. No, 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 no. You're on death row. That's what it says. You're, you're, you're condemned already because of your sin. And so Jesus came not to condemn you. You're already condemned. He came to pay the price for you, to get you off death row so you won't perish, you won't be condemned. And all you need to do with the most loving gift ever is believe. That's it. And so when we we think about this, right, when we really, really think about this, this gift of God that, that, that love is the reason Jesus came, God sent his son because he loves you. He loves you. And so believe in the gift and have life. You don't need to perish. You don't need to perish. The only reason you're going to perish is you. That's it. It's nobody's fault but you at this point, right? So, so, so like, I've used this before. Imagine, and I didn't, so don't get too excited. I filled this with, as much as I could, uh, blocks of $100 bills. Be allowed fit a lot in there. And I'm like, it's yours. Right? I lay that before you. It's yours, man. You'd be like, I got to sign something? Like, what? what? 
I, I barely know you. I don't even like you that much, Jamie. You're like, what in the world are you giving me that for, right? I just want to. It's a gift. No strings attached. It's yours. So, you didn't earn it. It's a gift, and it's yours. What do you have to do? You've got to receive it. You can't leave it behind. You've got to open it up and put that money in your bank account. See, in, in, in what we're talking about, that is belief, faith is you could look at this, and I can tell you today, God so loved you so much, he gave you his only son, and you can be like, I don't want it. And you perish. Or, or you open it up, and you say, I believe. I still have questions, I still have doubts, I still, but I believe. Gosh, I, I mean, if you, a lot of you have been here a while, right? So you know. Like I would, and I wouldn't try this because I'd probably hurt myself badly, but I would try it if I knew it would work. I'd stand on my head if some of you, if that would cause you to believe anything. But I know it's ultimately the power of God. I would do anything. We put videos out hoping other people will see them. And we get all kinds of, you're a cult leader, you're a horrible person, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's not easy to hear that. But I don't care. I'll crawl through coals. Call me whatever you want. We're not a cult. Right? I don't think anyone's forced to be here today, right? Hope not. And, and, and yet, that's the kind of stuff you'll get. But, but I don't care because I want, you to believe, I want you to know that there is a way to not be a zombie anymore. There is a way to not be condemned and perish. It's a gift that God loves you so much. Like, oh, well, God's so judgy. No, God loves you. You judged yourself. He, he's looking at you, man. You can have life. Believe. And I'm going to give you, in a moment, time to do that if that's you. But, but I know a lot of us, because I know a lot of you, you've already opened this up. So I just, want to, I just want to ask you to open it again. I'm not saying you lost it. That's not possible. I'm just saying open it up and realize again how much God loves you. Do you really believe God loves you right now? Right now. Look at me. Everybody, assuming you're not sleeping, look. I need my glasses. I can't see. I'm too blurry. He's like, darn, I better wake up. Okay, look at me. I see all eyes. God loves you. Do you believe it? Not just here. God loves me. No, he loves you. He doesn't love a future version of you. He doesn't love you more because you did your devotionals this morning or because you didn't drink as much last night, or because, no, God, listen, don't hear me say that, 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 he, that it's fine to just sin and not care, because look, that'd be like saying I love my wife, and I go betray and, you know, and, and, and cheat on her, and that's just stupid, that's not love, right? That's just words. So I'm not saying it's an excuse to sin, I'm just saying even in the struggle that you're at right now, God agape, he loves you. What would it be like if we actually knew that and experienced that? I think we might live in a way that, like Paul says in 2 Corinthians, I was just reading this the other day, we're an aroma. And I don't mean an aroma like you haven't showered in a while, a good one. A fragrance. From some from death to death. Some will hate you for the love of God. It's crazy, but they do. But some from life to life. I'm not asking you to do anything today. I'm asking you to leave here and just say, do I really believe that God loves me? He loves me right now. He doesn't love, he's not disappointed. He's not like, he loves you. He loves you in a way that whoever you think loves you the most, you're just that person, he's a gazillion times more. 
gazillion, and I know that's not a real number, it doesn't matter, infinity times more, whatever you want to say. He loves you. Do you believe it? Here's what I want, want to um, do. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes if, if you're not watching somebody, or just look down. Sometimes closing your eyes can be um, just challenging. So whatever can get you, just to focus. I'm not going to sneak up on you and do anything weird. Don't worry. And I want you to breathe. It's true. Breathing isn't just for Eastern religions, you know. We can breathe too. It's okay. Breathe. Breathe. And if you're a Christian and, and, and you struggle with knowing today that God loves you, um, I want you to try to picture why. What is the reason? What is the thing that makes you doubt God loves you? I know how it is. Middle of the night, you wake up, who's there? The accuser, Satan. You're still struggling with that? How dare you? You shouldn't be sleeping right now. You should be worried. You're a mess. What would it be like if we were just to say, shut up, Satan, your head is crushed, and I'm loved by God, and go back to sleep? What is that thing? Picture it. And when you have it, lay it at the foot of the throne of Jesus who reigns. If you don't have one of those things right now, just don't sit on the sidelines. Pray for those who do. Just leave it. And when we leave today, don't pick it back up. Leave it there. God loves you. And if you've never opened that gift ever, maybe you've been playing games or pretending or maybe not, and I know you still have questions, I know you still have doubts, I just so desperately don't want you to perish or be condemned. You know you're jacked up with sin. Everyone knows it. You know it. Just admit it. And then look full in the face of the grace of God and recognize he loves you so much he gave you his only son. The Lamb of God died for you. To receive that gift, all you need to do is believe. It doesn't have to be specific words. Just, Jesus, I believe. I believe. I'm a mess. I need you. Let's pray that prayer. I need you, Jesus. When that happens, you're saved. You are born again in Christ. You have a new life. You have eternal life waiting for you. And man, what a journey. Father, I pray for anyone who's made that decision to just trust you. Whether it was today or any time before, would you protect us? Would you surround us with your holy angels? Would you, we know the accuser comes. Crush his head, Lord. We know the victory is yours. Father, for those who have laid something at, at the feet of your throne, I pray you'd give them the courage and the strength and the grace to not pick it up when they leave here, that they might know deeply today how much they're loved by their creator, that you would wash over them in a comforting way that's full of your grace. We are your people. We are your children. Thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand if we can and sing together.